You're listening to the Evanston Bible Fellowship Podcast. EBF is a community of sojourners empowering one another to cultivate gospel transformation. To learn more about our church, visit ebfchurch.org. stand for the reading of the Word of God. The scripture reading this week is from 1 Peter 1, 13 to 21, and we're going to be reading from the NIV. That's 1 Peter 1, 13 through 21. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him, you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Thank you, Brittany, Kat, praise team. It's a joy and a delight to be with you here this morning. For those that may not know me, my name is Tim. I serve here as lead pastor, and uh, we're going to be opening up God's Word here as the passage you just read there in 1 Peter. But before I do so, I want to remind us of how we have just started a new series here at EBF called Sojourners and Exiles. Sojourners and Exiles as we are exploring the book of 1 Peter together. And the Gospel Coalition made a resource available for free download this week called, it's a book called Evangelism as Exiles. And it's actually, uh, I think today is the last day that this resource is available as a free ebook. And so I'd highly encourage you to check that out. The link is also in the Church Center app. Um, also, the, the notes to this sermon are in the Church Center app as well. So if you haven't already downloaded that, feel free to avail yourself of that opportunity. I will not be offended if you're looking at your phone during the message. <laughs> I'll just trust that, you know, does anybody, maybe at Northwestern, I don't know, but has anybody installed like mirrors in the back of the classrooms so the professors can see what's happening on the laptops? Has, has anyone gone to that level? No? Okay, good. Well, uh, I was a little worried they'd do that in seminary, but if they can't trust seminary students to uh, be... <laughs> no, never mind. We won't go there. Anyway, so yes, please, uh, please check out that resource. It is a great companion resource to this series in, the, in uh, the, the book of First Peter. So... Let's, uh, let's dive in together, though, beginning with uh, a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for gathering us today to worship you, to hear from your word. We pray for our local students, God, as they head out on summer break. Thank you for their perseverance. Watch over them this summer. Grant them quality time as a family. Lord, we lift up our Northwestern students to you as well as they head toward finals. Father, help them to recall what they've studied, to finish the semester well, and to enjoy a time of rest and renewal over this summer. Father, thank you for the signs of life 
in our community, for gatherings and reunions taking place, and for your healing hand at work. Help us to not forget that yearning to be with your people. Speak to us today, Lord, through your word. Remind us of your gospel's transforming power. And help us to live as you have called us to live, as sons and daughters of the King. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Perhaps you've heard the phrase before, like father, like son. Have you heard that? Like father, like son. You know, it's amazing how much we can come to resemble our parents. And I am certainly no exception to that. I am a proud subscriber to Consumer Reports, like my father before me. Any other CR people in the... I, I don't mean to out you, I'm sorry, but... Maybe even in how we dress, there was one time we were having my folks uh, stay with us, and, and my dad came upstairs, and I looked at what I was wearing, I'm like, we're twinsies, that's great, I love it. Um, even down to like this particular posture, it's like not our hands on our hips, it's like for some reason it's higher than that, it's sort of like this. Dad, if you're watching... Uh, I love you. <laughs> Even down to, um, oh man, can I go there? Sure. Man, this week I, I stepped on this like toy um, cone. It came with like this set that my son got for his birthday. And I responded like my father before me with, owie. <laughs> yeah. You know, some of us have earthly fathers, early, earthly parents that we admire that we so seek to want to emulate. I recognize too, especially in a gathering of this size, that some of us have strained relationships with our, with our earthly fathers, with our earthly parents. But regardless of where we come from, the reality is that when we trust in Jesus Christ as our Savior, we are given God as our Heavenly Father. And what this passage here does this morning is that it shows us what it means to live as God's children. Those of we who have been adopted into the family of God, what it means to live as his children. How do we resist the old way of life that, and how do we come to have more and more of the character of God our Father so that we bear more of the family resemblance? That's what 1 Peter 1 verses 13 to 21 is all about. And so in our, in our time together this morning, we're going to explore five dynamics of what it means to live as God's children and like what Peter has done previously in chapter 1, verses 3 through 12, he weaves together elements of the past, the present, and the future in his encouragement to us of what it means to live as God's children. So, diving in, he actually begins with the future. Peter says to set your hope completely on God's grace. Therefore, verse 13, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. You know, in a lot of ways, this, this particular verse here functions as a, as a hinge. Those of you that might be more doodlers, you might even draw a little hinge there between like verse 12 and verse 13 because it starts with this word therefore, helping to point back to the glorious realities of what God has done, past, present, and future to secure our living hope verses 3 through 12. Not only that, but it ends then with how the prophets pointed to that day, and then also those that went before us in the faith, those that shared the gospel with us. 
So it's like he's saying, in light of this foundation, past, salvation, past, present, and future, this is how you are to live. With minds that are alert is literally having bound up the loins of your mind. You probably did not expect to hear that phrase here this morning, but that is, that is what it means, to, to bind up the loins of your mind. You know, it actually has a, that expression has its background in... Um, the Middle Eastern practice of gathering up long robes to be able to work or to run or to have more, more uh, mobility in one's, in one's actions. So it's very similar, actually, to what Paul writes in Ephesians 6 about putting on the belt of truth, that inner belt and gathering up loose material so that a soldier could be even more mobile and effective. But a modern way of putting it might be to roll up your sleeves, I should have maybe worn a long sleeve shirt today so I could actually do that. But just picture, you know, it's like Peter saying, roll up your sleeves. And the phrase fully sober refers not only to not being drunk, but also to behaving with dignity and self-control. What follows is the main command, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. This hope is founded completely upon the grace of God. Remember last week we talked about this hope. It, it is not, the way that the Bible uses hope is not as a wish, as if there is some uncertainty as to these things. No. The New Testament points to hope as assurance based on something that has already happened in the past, namely the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is where our hope is found. So here's my attempt at paraphrasing verse 13. Since you've rolled up your sleeves, keep your head in the game and expect great things when Christ returns. Roll up your sleeves. We need to have this mental and spiritual alertness for whatever challenges we may face in life. We need to also have the mental resolve to show people what living hope looks like. Not only should we roll up our sleeves, but keep your head in the game. I can't help but think about uh, being at a, I guess the event was kind of like a medieval times. There's a medieval times in the Chicagoland area, right? Yeah, and uh, one of the nights that was going by seemed to be somewhat distracted. Has anybody been to one of those dinners or am I alone in this? You know, I'm basically judging your actions or your you know, I have this much of a window to know what the feedback is. So you might need to be more expressive in your nodding like this or like this. No, just kidding. So if you've been to one of those medieval times, anyway, we were there with some friends and this one night seemed to be somewhat distracted. And so one of my buddies yelled, keep your head in the game, Francois. That was his name, Francois. And he like, he like actually responded to it too. But I can't help but think about that every time. Keep your head in the game. Keep your head in the game. Not only should we avoid physical intoxication, it's very easy to, to think, to, you know, kind of go there with a passage like this, but also kind of more broadly speaking, forms of mental intoxication as well. It could come in the form of addiction, which can wipe out spiritual alertness altogether, or laziness, which can lull us into sin perhaps through carelessness in our lives. It's easy to become mentally intoxicated by the things of this world that might even seem good at first glance. And you might be able to think of many things that compete for attention, that take up some of your own 
kind of mental energies. I've become even more concerned about, and I think the research bears out various forms of, of technology addictions as well that can compete and clamor for our attention. The screens that are before us, the levels of pornography use and gaming addiction, for instance, that are rampant even within our churches. More and more people are struggling with or spending countless hours in front of screens wreaking havoc in relationships, in schools, marriages, workplaces. And I just have to pause here because if there are areas that I've touched on here that you are personally struggling with, God sees, God knows. And not only that, but we, the elders here at our church, you are not alone. We love you. We care deeply for you. We want to help you on that path toward healing and wholeness. So please do not hesitate to reach out. Maybe it's even your, your ethos leader. If there's someone that, you, that can help you in an area such as that. But not only should we roll up our sleeves, keep our head in the game, but also expect great things that are to come when Jesus Christ is revealed. You know, society trains us from a very early age to put our hope in things like status, rank, education, money, things like that. But our hope is to be founded upon the grace that is coming. Our hope should be undivided. This grace is guaranteed by Christ's resurrection, present in our lives now, but not yet fully realized. So following this hinge verse and this future dynamic, Peter turns to the present, the present. Be holy because God is holy. Look at verse, starting in verse 14. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. That wonderful phrase, as obedient children, points back to the lofty truths that are found in verses 3 through 12 of this chapter. Not only has the Father given us new birth, but He has also given us an inheritance that will never perish, spoil, or fade. And the rest of this passage bears out what it means to then live as God's children, to live as God's children. Along the way, we're going to see, though, some of the clues in the text as to how we previously lived what our lives were characterized with prior to our lives being transformed by God's gospel. For example, in the text says that we lived in ignorance. You know, we all face evil desires, and that's part of what it means to navigate this broken world. Colossians talks about waging war against them, these things waging war against our soul. But we are urged not to be conformed to them. To be conformed, literally, it means to pattern one's life or actions after something. And so obeying God is radically different than the natural way of life, following evil desires wherever they lead us. Paul says in Romans 12, 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. For Peter, to be transformed by the renewing of your mind means to be holy. The main command then is found in verse 15, be holy in all you do. What does it mean to be holy? At its core, it means to be set 
apart. It ultimately points to God who is qualitatively different than creation. In the New Testament, holiness also takes the sense of moral purity or freedom from sin. And so to say that God is holy means that He is completely other and totally pure. We are called to live holy lives because God who called us to Himself is Himself completely holy. The call to be holy has the holiness of God as its foundation. This alludes to another aspect of what it means, like that relationship between children and their parents. In ancient times, children were encouraged to imitate their father. Isn't it amazing how children can come to imitate us as parents? Some ways that are good, maybe in some ways that are not so good. Uh, a couple examples that Danielle and I kind of brainstormed this week is uh, our, you might hear our daughter, whose birthday is today, by the way, have to put in a plug there. She's so glad that you all gathered here today to celebrate her birthday. <laughs> so, uh, but whenever we hear her go, ah, uh, it's like, ooh, I do that. I know where that comes from. <laughs> uh, one was a quote from the car the other day. It was, Mommy, is that car going fast yet? Why isn't it obeying you? <laughs> Oh, man. You know, Christians should find deep joy in imitating God, both because He is our Father and because to be like Him is the best way to be. Verse 17 here is a quotation from Leviticus 19, verse 2. Be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. This verse sits right in the middle of what's called the holiness code in the Old Testament law. It wasn't written just to the priests or other leaders. It was entirely for the the whole people, the whole people of Israel. Then Peter takes this and applies it to believers in the new covenant people of God, both Jews and Gentiles alike. So don't let evil desires shape you. Oh, church, and I'm I picture myself here in the front row hearing these words as well. Let us not let evil desires shape us. Perhaps you've been on one of those highways before that has kind of those, those deep grooves that are from the semis that have been on that highway before. It's so good to be back in the land of Illinois where I hear there are two seasons, winter and construction, from what it sounds like. I remember those days. It's, think, picture though those grooves. It's, in, when you're on the highway, the car just sometimes wants to ride right in those grooves. And in the message, Eugene Peterson puts it this way, this verse, he says, don't lazily slip back into the old grooves of evil. Don't lazily slip back into the old grooves of evil. It's so easy to fall back into old patterns. But it is the gospel that motivates and empowers us to fight the desires of sin and to live as obedient children. Not only should we not let evil desires shape us, but we are called to live lives of holiness. That's the main command that's presented in this text. So be holy in all you do. This is a call to separate from evil, that we should live in such a way that is distinct from the world around us, not in such a way that we, not where this separation is one of removing ourselves from society altogether. But it's actually more along the lines of the age-old question. If you were charged with being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to condemn you? Be holy 
because this resonates with the character of God. The example that our Father sets is holiness, and we too should bear the family resemblance. Being holy is a pattern of life that should transform every aspect of our lives, every day, every minute, every thought. To be holy means to conform our thinking and our behavior to God's character. To be holy as God is holy means that our holiness reaches into every fiber of our being. It involves not just avoiding sin, but also maintaining a delight in God through a stream, like a stream running through our lives. I just have to pause here for a moment because sometimes hearing these sorts of charges in Scripture kind of grate against our, our ears a little bit. Where we begin to think, is this, about, is this merely about rules keeping in our lives? But I think maybe the biggest clue that this is not the case is found at the beginning of verse 14. As obedient children. Peter is not saying, be holy so that you will become God's children. He's writing out of the transformation that has already been brought into our lives through God's grace, that as those who have come to experience new life through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, live obedient lives. Be holy in all that you do. And it is purely, verse 13, based on God's grace, the grace to be brought to you. I think that is an important dynamic for us to remember, that this is not a condition upon which we are accepted into the family of God, but as those who have been transformed by the gospel, this is how we are to continue bearing the family resemblance through the grace and power of God and his gospel. Not only are we called to be holy, but then third, live in reverent fear of God. Verse 17 says this, since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. God is our loving heavenly father. He is the one that has granted us new life and because of that we can call on him when we are in trouble. He is not far off. He is not disinterested in what is happening in our lives. He did not spin the world into existence and then walk away. No. He is near. Because of Jesus, we have what we might call a, a VIP pass to God. At the same time, God is also the impartial judge. He is the judge of the universe. We will someday have to give an account for everything we have ever said, thought, or done. And so, live, Peter writes, in reverent fear of God. Living as foreigners points back to chapter 1, verse 1, that aspect of us being foreigners in a strange land. We feel that, don't we? We feel that. In our core, we struggle with what it means to live in this time here and now as between two worlds. We are called to live as foreigners here in reverent or holy fear. God's holiness is tied to his justice. And when we don't revere God as holy, we don't revere God as God. We essentially de-God God. We replace him with an idol or idols. And so church, let us 
heed this call to live as foreigners in a strange land. Remember that we are citizens of God's kingdom. Let us not be drawn into the things that do not last. Instead, let us go after things that are above, things that last, things of true and eternal and consequential significance. And let us live in reverent fear of God. Fearing God does not mean being paralyzed by terror due to his displeasure or his discipline. No, fearing God means having a reverence and an awe for God that should characterize our, li- our lives as we navigate living between two worlds. A healthy fear of God also remembers, though, that He is the judge. He is the judge of the universe. The fourth dynamic, remember the high price of your redemption. This is really the pinnacle of this passage. Look at verses 18 and following. For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Here we have another clue of how people lived before they were God's children. Life was revealed here as empty. They were redeemed from a life of futility and meaninglessness to one of great significance. What does it mean to be redeemed? In essence, redemption is the process where sinful human beings are bought back from the bondage of sin into a relationship with God. And this happens through grace and by the payment of Jesus' death and resurrection. Christians are redeemed from their captivity, but they become then slaves to God. 1 Peter 2.16 goes on to say, live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. But what was the price? Verse 18 interestingly talks about both what wasn't the price and then what was. The price wasn't perishable things such as silver or gold. But what was the price? The high price of our redemption was none other than the precious blood of Jesus Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was perfect and perfectly holy, a lamb without blemish or defect. His perfect sacrifice atoned for sins. And he was hand-selected before the foundation of the world He was chosen. God planned from eternity past that he would send his son, Jesus Christ. And God's foreknowledge of Christ's redeeming death corresponds with his foreknowledge of those who would be redeemed by it. God knew the plan of redemption before the the foundation of the world. He was perfect. He was hand-selected, and he was sent on what is the greatest reclamation mission of all time. God chose to reveal Jesus in these last times for our sake. He did this for you and for me. Dear church, life without God is empty. It is characterized, as we see in the text, by these these clues of the empty way of life. 
And do you want to make an impact during the short time that you have here? God wants to take you from a life of futility and a life of meaninglessness to one of great and eternal significance. Remember the cost. Remember the high price of redemption. The price was nothing less than the blood of our Savior, Jesus Christ. He experienced the full range of humanity. He experienced troubles and temptations, and he suffered an agonizing death on a cruel Roman cross. He did this. He willingly went to the cross in love. Remember the cost. We serve the Lamb. As our brother Derwin Gray reminds us, our greatest allegiance is not to an elephant, is not to a donkey, but to the Lamb. To the Lamb. The the final dynamic then weaves together all three elements here of what it means to live as God's children, past, present, and future. Remember, believe, and hope. Remember, believe, and hope. Verse 21, through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him. So your faith and hope are in God. Verse 21 is, like I said, it's kind of a microcosm of this past, present, and future reality that Peter weaves together. One single event in the past forever altered the course of humanity, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And God raised Jesus from the dead, and he, when, then he glorified Jesus, giving him the place of honor at the right hand of the Father. And so in the in-between, oh, in the in-between, we are called to believe in God, to place our faith firmly in He who is God. And we also look to the future and fix our hope completely on Him. Did you notice how in this, in this passage, Peter starts with hope in verse 13 and then ends with hope in verse 21? Let our faith and hope be in God. As God's children, through his gospel, remember the price of our redemption. Live in holiness and reverence and set your hope completely on God's grace. That's what this text comes down to. As those who have been accepted into the family of God purely by the transforming power of God's gospel, let us remember the high price of our redemption that high price of our redemption that took place in the past, the precious blood of Christ. Let us live now, presently, obedient lives of holiness and of reverence and imitation of our Father. May we bear the family resemblance. And let us live obedient lives looking to the future, that future hope that is completely secure, that is not teetering on the edge. We have a sure hope. We have a fixed hope because of Jesus' resurrection from the dead. And as a result, our faith and hope are to be in God. God, who, as this text reveals to us, is completely holy. He created us, and He loves us deeply. But even before the very creation of the world, He purposed from eternity past to send His Son, Jesus Christ. Humankind became broken, because of sin. Sin entered the world and death through sin. And as the 
the passage here reminds us of some of those aspects of our fallenness and our finitude. We have come to experience evil desires. We lived in ignorance, and we were trained, yes, in an empty way of life handed down to us from our ancestors. Verses 18 through 21 capture what God did to redeem us and give us hope. I can think of no better way for us to end than reflecting upon this passage. For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life, handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, so that your faith and hope are in God. The reason we can believe in God at all is through Christ giving himself in love and being raised from the dead. God raised him from the dead and glorified him at the right hand of the Father. As a result, our faith and our hope should be in God. If you have never placed your faith in him, may this be the day. And if you have real questions, if you've been wrestling with some of these things in your own heart, in your own life, I know myself, any of our elders or staff, we would, we would love to interact with you more. I'd love to buy you lunch. I love that I can actually take you to lunch now. Can I get an amen just from that? But may our faith and our hope rest firmly and securely upon God. As God's children, through his gospel, remember the price of our redemption. Fix our hope upon him and live in holiness and reverence. May we bear more and more of the family resemblance. May it be said of us, we're a lot like our Father. Amen, church? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for enacting your plan. It was not a plan B. Your plan from eternity past to send your one and only Son, the Lamb, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. We praise you for rescuing us from our empty way of life and for filling us with new life in Christ. And so we ask that you with faith, fill us with hope, enable us through your grace to live holy lives in reverence and awe of who you are and of what you have done. And oh Lord, would you use us however you desire as instruments of your grace. Use us to share and show this life-giving message of hope across the street and around the world. We long for that day when heaven and earth will be reunited and all will be made new in your kingdom. We pray this in Christ's precious and matchless name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To hear more messages from EBF, subscribe to our podcast. And to find out how to get connected with our church, visit ebfchurch.org.